things that they said to me was, I think it'd be really good to know why. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you giving up your house, moving into an apartment, (laughs) giving up jobs and careers, and and all the things that we have built here in the last five years for this? And um, and so, really, (laughs) worship this morning blew me away. I love how God works, right? When he just, he does stuff on our behalf, and I was like, I don't even need to to talk about this. But um, this vision was really birthed in the quietest, ordinary moment of a day. I'm a mom of four kids, and life is busy, and God had called me out about 18 months ago and just really started to say, invite me to spend time with him and just to be with him, simply to be in his presence and say, hold on a minute, what is happening to our life? It's just on this hamster wheel all the time, and and there was just this invitation to be with him, and And it just started to do a deep work in my heart, like we were singing about and doing a worship this morning, just of his love, like blowing me away afresh with that that love that he has for us that has no conditions. (laughs) Worship made me emotional, so I feel a little bit emotional talking about this, but just like what Jesus did to pursue me, like what he did to reach out to have relationship with me. And I would sit in God's presence and just be wrecked, like sit at the piano and I'd be crying and I'd just like this new, fresh deepening of God's love for me that he didn't hold back. He went all the way just to save me. And, um, and the phrase, just no conditions, just God's love has no conditions. And even this morning has been worshipped, I just felt like if you're in this room this morning and you don't know Jesus and you, in fact, maybe even you hate Jesus, that's your description, you would hate God, you don't understand him at all. I just felt like God was saying this morning, you know, my love for you has no conditions. You can hate me with everything in your being, but I still love you. And it was established, and it's firm, and it's unmovable, and it's unchangeable, and it's this, this, we can't comprehend it, right? It's like any, it's just un, unattainable in our mental state to fully understand the love of God. But here I was 18 months ago, and it just was wrecked for several weeks, and just this invitation to be in his presence and just simply to receive his love. And I fit, it was like a deepening, that's how I describe it. But as that happened, what birthed in me was this, I want to love you with no conditions back. And, um, and I just started to pray, God, I just want to love you with no conditions. I want to love you with our whole life, no conditions. I want to hear you and hear what you have for us with no conditions. Not speak to me and let me do this, but in my framework. It was that sense of, you love me with no conditions, and I want to love your world with no conditions in, in return, because I love you, right? And, um, and so, you know, as these stories unfold, like, there's a whole story, which I, you will get to hear some of that more in detail this morning, but um, what started to form in us, and Steve was on his own journey, and we kind of came to this pivotal moment together, and, and God started to unfold that, and, he, and we just were saying, well, how does this kind of uh, uh, house inspector and mama four with a home interior design company on the side, like, how do we, like, how do we go about responding to what we're feeling and seeing and understanding? And, and we, I just started to see 
the more I pursued simply who God was, he started to give me pictures of people and nations in languages. And it was like this vivid image and it was all coming and my heart just started to break for the people in the world that have never yet heard his name. And as you saw on the slide, there's still three billion people in this world who have so little access to the gospel or have literally no understanding that God exists or that his love is for them. And my heart just started to break, really break for those people. And just the extravagance that we have of knowing the Bible and the gospel and all of those things. And so we started to ask and we just kind of started to push doors. And the thing that kept coming was, we can't, as a family, go to all these places. We can't get to those three billion people. What we can do, though, is stand beside people who are feeling God lead them to do, go to those places long-term and invest. And so what emerged as we sought God was just this, go and stand beside these people that are boldly willing to go to the ends of the earth to make me known. And we can facilitate that. My husband's a facilities director. His whole history of professional experience in that. And he can, he can give what's in his hands. I can give what's in my hands. In that together, we get to go to this um, wildland base and we get to invest and equip and release and facilitate training so that people can go to help see the kingdom of God extended. And that is our vision. We don't want to see one person on this earth not hear the name of Jesus. And it's a big vision. It's scary to me. I'm like, I don't know how that's going to happen, but God, you do. And so we're just going to offer you our yes. We're going to take the next step and we're going to follow you in this leading. So that's our, like, that's the big why. That's why we're about to pack our family of six up and move across an ocean. And so this morning, as I you know, was asked to kind of share some of our story, I was like, okay, well, God, what do you want to say to everyone here? Because we're in this together. This isn't just Steve and I's like, adventure. We're doing our part, the part that God has led us to do. But this is about all of us in this room. We're in this together. I, you know, we could not do our bit if it wasn't for you guys standing with us and being part of this community. And and so the thing that I wanted to share this morning is that God laid on my heart to, to look at Noah. The story of Noah is one that I, I grew up in as a pastor's kid, and I knew about Noah from, like, I feel like the first story I ever, like, heard. We, it's kind of, even people that are not in church have probably heard of the Ark and Noah. Like, it's just one of those familiar stories. But in the last kind of year of my life, I found myself rereading that scripture in Hebrews of the Hall of Faith you know, where we look at all the people that believed um, without seeing, that didn't always see the fullness of the promise that God had given them, but they just kept saying yes to God and doing what was in front of them. And, and I went back to read the story of Noah, and just to give a little synopsis, because I think we sometimes familiarize, think we know all the details and we, we lose some of them, but to put it in perspective, we know, right, that God created the world and that he created Adam and Eve And Adam and Eve walked with God. And we see this description of this beautiful communion where they walked in the garden with the creator and it was perfect. It was this perfect um, interaction between God and humankind that he had made. And then he spoke to them and they didn't listen. And they disobeyed and sin entered the world and the world starts on this spiral, right, of like going downhill. And... 
Six chapters into Genesis enters Noah. And I th- it's nine generations after Adam and Eve. And, um, and what we see is in verse 9, it says that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his time, and Noah walked with God. And, and before that, God, in the scripture, it describes the world as being corrupt, that people, there's just evil all around them, and it's a really horrible place to be. And yet, there's Noah. And it says that he walked with God. And if you think about how Adam and Eve's description of walking with God was, and here, nine generations later, Noah is walking with God. And it made me think, well, okay, so why did God find favor in Noah? Because he walked with him. And what does that mean? What does it mean to walk with God? It means to be, if you think of it in terms of Adam and Eve, it means to be aware of his presence all the time. It means to be communing and communicating and, and enjoying fellowship and enjoying each other's presence and enjoying the good things that God created in hearing and listening to him and responding back. And if you have a good conversation, someone shows you with their body language as well as their words that they're listening to you and you, it's that two-way thing. And so I really believe that Noah was walking with God and he was listening and God knew it. God knew that he had Noah's attention. And so he knew that Noah was this person in this world of corruption that he could speak to and Noah would listen. And I think that what's interesting is there's a a Hebrew word for listening in the Bible that I just love so much. It was a new understanding for me, um, Shema, and it means that you listen with the intent to obey. And when that scripture says, Hear, O Israel, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength, it's saying, Listen, O Israel, and obey. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And I feel like Noah is a depiction of this, right? He's a guy who not only God had the attention of and he was communing with, but he listened to God and he obeyed. And um, I think, honestly, we have a hard time with listening in the 21st century, (laughs) I really do. I think that we have so often compartmentalized listening to a mental capacity, like a mental thing, that it's like we listen to things in here, but it doesn't transpire into anything else because we're overloaded with information and we listen to all these different things coming at us that we've lost, in some ways, our ability to simply listen to the Lord's voice and obey. Because we want to be in control, right? That's our human nature. Is we want to be in control of our lives, and we want to, we want to have some say how they unfold. And and there's, you know, you can go down lots of different avenues. And I can hear people saying, "Well, that are you saying that everything that we decide ourselves is wrong?" No, 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 no. God, like God, gives us desires, and He's given us wisdom. But I just love that Noah. God gave Noah these instructions to do something pretty crazy, right? And he listens to it, and he says yes, and he does it, despite everything around him. His perspective, if you stop to think about it, is pretty incredible. His faithfulness to follow God, even at the sacrifice of his reputation, because don't you think for the 120 years that he was building that ark and everybody around him thought he was nuts, his reputation probably went out the window as the psycho guy over there who's building the ark. But he didn't lose sight of what God had said to him. 
He did it despite what his family would endure. He just, you know, he probably gave up whatever job he was doing. He sacrificed his time and resources, but why? Because God had spoken to him. And it, it wasn't that everybody had to give up their time and resources and do it in this way and build an ark. He spoke to Noah and Noah said, okay, I'll do it. He simply kept saying yes. And I think it's a constant yes, right? For 120 years, he built that ark. I, you better believe that he's having some conversations with God along that way going, okay, I'm saying yes. Not, you know, it's like a, it's a continual thing for the long haul. And even if you read further in the story, you know, he, it, he got into the ark after he'd built it. He waited seven days. I missed this detail. He waited seven days for rain to come. So he loaded up the ark and then had to wait on dry land inside the ark for seven more days with animals. (laughs) And and yet he still did not waver. He didn't open the door and think, I got it wrong. I got to get out. He held to this word that God had given him. And And that was a challenge, honestly, for me. I felt like God spoke to us back in January of last year. And I felt like he said to me, are you going to listen? Are you willing to listen to me and obey me with this whole thing, this no conditional love? Will you listen to me? Will you hear me? I want to speak to you. And so Steve and I were both on our own journeys and we came to this point and we just felt like God was asking us to make space to go and hear him. So we decided to go to a conference, which if you know my husband, he does not like conferences. It's not his, like, cup of tea, is how we'd say in England. <laughs> but, like, he said to me, no, I, I think we're supposed to go to this conference together. And um, so we found, we organized all the logistics for our kids, which with four kids and school, you know how it is, it's, it's hard. It was a very intentional decision to go to this conference. But that was making space for us. That was saying, God, we want to hear you, and we are handing you over, like we're giving you space into our lives to speak to us about if we're supposed to see this vision, to see people all over the world come to you. Is it supposed to be like something we do here? Is it supposed to be doing, you know, however it was. We went to this conference. There's this um, British missionary that I have known since I was a little girl called Jackie Pullinger who spoke. Bruce was the only person in the room that knew us out of a thousand people. And that was one of our reasons for going, as we wanted to go somewhere where nobody knew us and God really just had free reign to speak. And if people, like if it made sense, it was going to like be obvious. Um, And so we went to this conference and we just stood to our feet. I I, I will never forget this moment. And Jackie had been talking about her, um, what she had done. She'd gotten on a, a boat at 18 had asked God to tell her where to get off, and she got off in Hong Kong, and she went to the Ward City. If you ever get a chance to read her book, Chasing the Dragon, I highly recommend it. But she challenged us to give our yes to the Lord that night. And Steve and I stood, and we were like, we give you our yes. Whatever you say, you have our yes. And we came away from that conference, and we'd had different words spoken over us, and it was just, we came home, and we knew that something had changed in us. And we knew that this next season was a journey of pursuing the how of we were going to watch this vision outplay in our lives. We had no details at this point. We had no idea if it meant stay. We had like all these different, we were trying to strive for some ideas, but nothing came and we just kept getting this invitation to just be with God, to keep being in his presence and allow him to do 
in here first because we knew something had to go deeper in us to be able to respond with a yes. And we go back to Noah. And what I love next about Noah is that when God speaks to us, he's faithful to give us the details. There's often a waiting period where he does something deep in our hearts and then the how takes time. And that's hard, right? It's you want, we're instantaneous people. We want answers like today. And to just hold on in the wait can feel hard. But this story of Noah just has encouraged me so much that God is a God of details. And he is working on our behalf and he's bringing all the details together even when we can't see them. And, you know, he, in um, verses 14 to 21 of chapter 6, God gives Noah very, very detailed instructions about how to build this ark in a way that will survive the flood, that will protect all the animals and, and protect them and lead to this new, new life that's going to come after taking the earth out um, And he, I just, you know, as I said, the the rain didn't come for seven days, right? And there's another small line in the story that struck me so significantly. And I always imagine Noah, for some reason, like calling the animals, like, you need to come two by two. Like, you know, we have an image that Noah had to bring them. But the scripture says that God brought the animals. Noah didn't have to figure out how he was going to make sure there was two of every animal in that ark. God was on the case, and he led the animals to the ark. That's pretty crazy, right? And I think that Noah gives us this example, right, that we simply say yes to what God is saying for us to do right in front of us with what's in our hands, and we trust him and and his character to lead all the details out. Noah was full of faith. And, and if you think about the story, none of it was logical. He was in the middle of a desert. There was no water anywhere around him. And God said, build an ark. And we hear that stuff, but like, if you think about your own life, when God tell, if God tells you to do something that is illogical, everything in your brain is telling you, this is ridiculous. Why would we build an ark in the middle of the desert? But over and over again, throughout these couple of chapters, it just simply says that Noah did what God commanded him every last detail of what God commanded him to do. And it's just some crazy faith. It's just like such a good example to us. Such a, I feel like it's a challenge, but it, I feel like, you know, faith is one of those things that we can feel like we have to conjure up or somehow like overcome and be like, I'm going gonna, gonna to press in and I'm going to do this. But faith is something that is deposited in us because God made us into a new creation. It's our natural being when we've accepted Jesus. It's not actually abnormal to be a crazy faith person like Noah. That is actually what God has imparted in us when we come to him. And so this is actually the, the norm when you're in the kingdom of God, right? It's the norm to behave like that, to respond at the slightest nudging of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And it's a journey. It's like we learn slowly and we, and we trust his voice more and, and, and everybody's steps look different. But God um, imparted a gift of faith in each of us when we came to him. Because if you think about it, if you knew every detail of everything, there would be no need for faith, 
There would be no need, if there was no mystery in your life, there would be no need to trust God. Trust would be eradicated if everything was laid out nice and clearly. But God does speak. And Steve and I are just, you know, we were laughing because we we're just like these ordinary like people, right? Flawed with many, many areas that God still needs to work on us in. But God speaks, and this story was one of the profound stories in this journey for us, and one of the clear markers. But I tell it simply to encourage you that God really does speak, and he makes it really clear if you give him your yes. And after we came back from this conference, we had several months of just, we were just kind of like, okay, we don't really know what this is going to look like, or what you're really saying, and and there was all kinds of things brewing locally, and we were like, maybe we're supposed to do this, and maybe we're supposed to do that. Um, and so eventually, in the summer, we had just reached that point where we were like, you know what, we just need to ask a few people to really pray for us. Um, be great to just get wisdom from a few different people. And so I had emailed a friend of ours that has known us for, as a couple for a really long time, and somebody I know who is really prophetic, and I've seen prophetic words of hers like actually come to pass. Like, you know, she's like somebody who's really gifted, and God has given her the gift of prophecy. And I emailed her, and I didn't tell her anything. I just said, would you just pray for us? That's literally what I said. I was like, she didn't know anything about going to a conference or anything. Send it to her, and she's like, yep, yep, that's great. I'll get back to you when I get a chance to pray for you. And I was like, awesome. So that was that. And then... Um, then a couple months passed, and our really good friend that we had been part um, working with in Warren before. So, everyone, there's a backstory. So, Steve and I were in youth with a mission for eight years previous to um, coming here in the U.S., and we had planted a YWAM base in the north of England that was for pioneering um, leaders to go out and do new things in new places. And we had developed a curriculum to train leaders in. Carl is a really good friend. He was Steve's best man in our wedding, and he came through to visit. He was going to a conference out on the West Coast, and he said, hey, guys, can I just come see you because I'm flying over the top of you? I'll just pop in. And so we said, sure, we'd love to have you. And he came, and he just started to talk and tell stories, and he had felt like he was walking into a kind of significant situation with us. He had no idea about anything, but he was like, I don't know, it just seems like I'm supposed to come and see you for these four days. So he hung out with us, and as he was telling us stories, it was some, in our spirits, things just like the heart rate starts going, and, and, and they just like spark something in us. And he, he had shared with Steve about this need for somebody to oversee this campus that he's working on, and something got in Steve, and he was just like, I don't know, like this is like, it just is, you know, catching our attention. So we decided, because we couldn't shift this in us, we decided to take a trip to the wine base. And we were like, you know what? There's another opportunity. We're just going to open our hands and give God space. It's like the ongoing statement, give God space to speak. We are ears open and we are ready to listen. And we think we're ready to say yes to whatever you might say. Um, and so we went over to the wine base and did a whole week of like looking around and just praying. We were asking God to speak to us while we were there about the land that we were standing on. And if this was the opportunity, um, and one night I was walking on the base in it's like a big, huge oval road, and I was just doing circles, just really just worshiping with earphones in and just like having some time out because it was kind of information overload. 
And God just kept showing me, I kept walking past this one house and I, and I was like, okay, I'm seeing the house. Like, what are you trying to say to me about this house? And nothing about this house, like no reason for this house jumping off the street at me was coming. And I was like, all right, I see the house. I don't know what it is about this house, but I see it. And it, it was, had a porch with these bikes lent against the back and there was this rope swing and this big tree in the front. And I was like, all right, I see the house. That's wonderful. All right, we'll just go home. And we got nothing. And we flew home on a Thursday night. And I'll never forget, we walked into Bob and Tam late at night. And they were like, so? <laughs> and we were like, we're really tired. <laughs> we just <laughs> and we got up the next morning. And the first thing I did was open my email. And that friend who we had emailed three months previous had messaged me back. She had no idea that we had been to the UK. She had no idea that we, any of it. She had no clue about any of the journey. And she was like, I have had you on my heart all week and I've been praying for you. And she was like, God gave me a, a, a vision and a, like a picture for you and a word. And, and she wrote it out. And she had this picture of our family and there was, a whole, there was a whole bunch of stuff to it, which is irrelevant right now, but there was promises about walking into the unknown and, and seeing lights go on down a street and us being influencing many and this multiplication thing that God had spoken to us about. And, but then she, at the end of this word, she wrote, and then there's this really odd thing that God gave me and I don't understand it, but I'm just going to tell you about it. And she was like, I just see this house. And the house has a porch on the back, and it has some bikes leaning against it. And there's an oak tree in the front with a really large swing hanging from it. And I just felt like God was like, I was supposed to tell you about this house, and I have no idea what this house is about, but hopefully you do. (laughs) And I was like, okay. (laughs) And so in that moment, I looked at Steve, and we were like, oh, no. (laughs) Uh, I think we might have just gotten one big confirmation that we were asking for that was specific about this campus. And, um, but of course, we're human, and we were like, well, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe we we should sit on it for a while. So we decided just to sit on it till Christmas and and hope that maybe there was something else that would come up um, as we started to think, oh, (laughs) we couldn't shift it. And it's confirmation after confirmation after confirmation just kept coming from all random directions. And we just knew that God had spoken. And he was saying, guys, this is your, this is your next thing. This is what I'm asking you to say yes to. It's an invitation. I'm not going to force you. But you have the opportunity to say yes to me. And so, so we did. So we said yes. And we started um, really just to believe him that that he was who he says he is, that he speaks, and that we have the ability to listen. We have the choice to obey or to ignore. Um, But I love this last part of Noah's story. It ends with an incredible promise, and that is obedience is blessed by God. And God establishes with Noah. Noah's yes saw the salvation of his family, but it established God's covenant which was demonstrated in this light in the sky, which pointed to Jesus, the light of the world that was coming, who sets our greatest example of obedience. He was obedient even unto death for us. Why? Because he loves us and he will pursue us to the very ends of the world for a relationship with us. And when God speaks 
And he asks and invites you to do something for the kingdom of God out of this deep love that he pours into your heart. You don't have to fear because in perfect love, there is no fear. And when we say yes to God, we don't have to fear that things aren't gonna turn out right. We don't have to fear that we're gonna be miserable and we're gonna be sad. And I think sometimes we come with the expectation that if we say yes to God and seeing his kingdom expanded, we're just gonna be bombarded by the enemy all around and it's gonna be terrible and it's gonna be hard. And, and I can honestly say before God that it's my joy today. And that's not something I'm conjuring up. That's because I'm simply saying I'm gonna take myself off the throne of my life and I'm saying come take the throne of my life and where we do that it says in the scripture that the Lord is spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom and we get we have freedom not because we have to try and make it up and we have to try and grit our teeth and make it through but as we allow him lordship in our life in all the different areas one by one. It's like a slow and increasing abandonment to the purposes of God because we are on this planet to fulfill the purposes of God if we are a believer. And so, you know what? It, like, I feel like when we say yes to God, that's the place we're going to find our greatest satisfaction. That's the place we're going to see our dreams fulfilled. That's the place that we're going to come alive. And it doesn't mean that it won't have difficulties. We live in the tension of the now and the, the here and the not now and, and all of that stuff. It's not going to be super easy all the time, but there's joy. God is good and he has blessings for us. And we've seen that honestly in this journey. It's just been like, we said yes, and there's just been like a domino effect and nothing that we've done, all we did was say yes. But he is working on our behalf. And the details, if I could go into all the different things that have happened in the last six months since we said yes to him, it's mind-blowing. And a friend of mine gave me a word, dear friend, she's in the room right now, she gave me a word really at the beginning of this, and she said, you know what, Claire, I just feel like God's saying it doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be hard. It can, when God is on in it, He brings blessing, and he makes a way where there isn't a way. He opens the Red Seas for you. He he goes ahead of you, behind you. He's got your kids. You don't have to worry. Like, right now, we have no idea where our kids are going to go to school because there is no school places for them. And I can't control that. But I can just say, you know what? I'm trusting you alone. And I'm saying yes to you, and I trust that you are God of my kids, that you've got them in this story. And so, guys, I just want to encourage you. I hope that that is an encouragement. That when we, it doesn't, it's not about moving across an ocean. It's not about being missionaries or not being missionaries. It's simply about people who are willing to listen. And I think that when we just open ourselves with open hearts and just keep saying every day, God, come take the throne of my life. Come take the throne of my life. I'm going to make space for you. I I want to hear you. I want to love you. Our obedience is a love of the Lord, right? He's inviting us to walk with him, to be aware of his presence every day. He's inviting us to be ready listeners. He's inviting us to allow him to be truly the Lord of our lives, of our time, our resources, our gifts. And he's inviting us to deeply care about the lost. Deeply care about the people that have not yet experienced the fullness of his love. And so I just want to end really by exhorting you that we are a community that hears God. We're a community that listens 
and we're a community that can be obedient and respond to what he's calling us to do, whatever that looks like for you. And I know that some of you in the room are probably thinking, well, I don't even hear God. I don't hear him. I'm not really sure. But I want to end this time by praying for us corporately. And if you're in the room and you feel like you've never heard God's voice and you, or you have no, like, there's just no capacity to even understand that's frustrating for you, I want to pray for you today that if you stand and say yes, you're standing in faith that he can speak to you, even though you've never experienced that. For those of us in the room that are desperately trying to hear him for the next steps, stand in faith today that you believe in God, not, not in figuring out the details, right? We trust him. If you're in this room and you're in the midst of following a story, right? You stand today in faith and say, God, we receive more of your love to go deeper so that I can keep running with a soft heart and hard feet, courageous feet to do more and more for extending the kingdom of God. As a corporate body, we stand in faith for this community right on the doorstep. We stand in faith for the whole world to come to know the name of Jesus. I want nothing more than this world to know his love. So I would love to pray for us corporately. And then Steve and I will be around. We can pray for you individually, but I'm all about it, guys. I want Jesus to be known. I want the love of God to be expressed. And I want us to spend the rest of our days living that out and making him known. So let's stand up. If you want to stand in faith this morning, whatever your reason is, I want to pray over you. God, we love you so, so much. We are mind blown away by your great love for us. Thank you that you went... There's nothing that you won't do to pursue relationship with us wherever we are this morning. Thank you that your love is established, firm, unmovable, unchangeable, extravagant, uncomprehendable. But it is what it is. And we, nothing we do or don't do will ever change that. We could sit in this room forever and do nothing for your kingdom and you would still love us. But I thank you for your invitation to respond in faith, your invitation to us to live lives of faith, to follow you, to take up our cross and follow you to the end of our days. Jesus, we stand in faith today that your kingdom will be established on this earth and that every name will come to bow before the name of Jesus and that every person will get to experience the fullness of your love. God, we give ourselves, we give our lives, our time, our resources, everything that you have gifted us with, we give it back to you out of a great love, out of response to receiving the incredible love that you have lavished upon us. So this morning, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fill us afresh, that you would renew us, that you would rise us up to keep walking boldly and courageously and confidently, not in who we are, but in who you are. Fill us with faith to be a people that walk with faith. We love you, God, so much. And we give ourselves to you afresh this morning. That we would be listeners and responders and doers. And that your voice would lead us forward. That we would never be afraid to change the course of our lives to respond to you and your voice and the call to see this world changed to see this world 
experience your love in its fullness. Amen.